Hi everyone, Stu here. I just wanted to welcome you to the Real World Behavioural Science Podcast and to let you know that we've got a great show for you today with uh, Kim Roberts from Henry. But before we get into that, I wanted to remind all our listeners that we're recording this on behalf of the BSPHN and just to let you know that there are still a few tickets left for the annual conference taking place in Derby on the 12th of February. If you attend the event, you can see Susan Mickey, who's the director of the Centre for Behaviour Change at UCL, and Professor Eugene Milne, who's director of public health in Newcastle. Um, the tickets cost £80 for members or £125 for non-members, which is pretty reasonable. However, it's actually only £25 to join from the year. So you get all the benefits of joining and you actually pay £80. So it's, it's cheaper to do that than it is to, to come as a non-member. So get yourself to www.bsphn.org.uk and book your tickets today. Okay, over to the show with Kim Roberts. Today on the show, we've got Kim Roberts of Henry. Uh, Kim's been Henry's chief executive since 2012. Her background's in family support and early development, which has given her both a profound insight into the impact of children's very early experiences and a passionate determination to make sure that parents and practitioners get the quality of support they need to provide children with the best start in life. Once established, obesity is notoriously difficult to turn around. For the last 10 years, Henry's been transforming traditional approaches to obesity prevention in the early years, developing a highly effective approach to supporting family behaviour change for a healthy start. Kim, welcome to the show. Great to have you on. Um, if you could start by telling us a little bit more about what Henry is. Sure. So Henry's about 10 years old now, and it was set up um, by two our two co-founders, Professor Mary Rudolph, who at that time was Professor of Child Health at Leeds, and Candida Hunt, my predecessor as director of Henry, whose background was in parenting, behaviour change, training. And Mary had done a review of the international evidence and um, at looking at the risk and the protective factors for child obesity and realised that if we were going to really get in there and make a difference, we needed to to, to um, be able to do that before obesity is established mm -hmm. because, you know, once it, once, once it is established, it, it is notoriously difficult to turn around. And so Mary and Candida were looking at um, developing a practical intervention that could be um, used very early in life and that did address these risk and protective factors. So we're looking at parenting, whole family, eating and activity habits, mm -hmm. obviously what children are eating, how active they are, as well as emotional well-being. And then thinking about the, the needs of the family for support and thinking about developing the workforce mm -hmm. because the start of life is a time when parents have much more contact with helping professionals than they, they do as their children grow older. Mm -hmm. So looking at that, those messages from research, Henry was developed to provide training for the health and early years practitioners who are supporting families at this point in their, in their lives and um, to provide um, practical, supportive group programs 
for families, for parents of young children to, to really equip them with not just the knowledge about what a healthy start in life is, but the, the parenting confidence, the emotional well-being mm. to make that a reality yeah. as part of daily family life with young children, which, you know, I know from personal experience doesn't happen in laboratory conditions. <laughs> Uh, no, I love I love hearing about the origins of where where these well established programs have come from, um, but to move over to where you've come from and where mm. a bit about your background, can you tell us a little bit about your journey to how where you are now? You you only took over six or seven years yeah. ago. So what, what were you doing before? How did you get to where you are now? So quite eclectic. It sort of makes sense looking back. I started in the health service, um, and my. Um, role in the health service we're going back to the 1980s now it was a time when there was a big move from um people living in institutions so what were then called mental handicap hospitals mm-hmm. um to what was called normal life normalization in the community so that, yeah so i started in the health service managing resettlement projects mm-hmm. and i think that was my first um I suppose, experience of making a difference and really thinking about what helps turn people's lives around. Mm. You know, mm. I mean, at that point, it was people who'd been, who'd been in institutions all their lives and were, were being resettled, which was yeah. a bit of a misnomer because many of them had never lived anywhere else, right. um, but were picking up a normal life in the community and what did they need and... What did we also need to do in communities to change attitudes? So, you know, that was the start, I suppose, of my interest in overcoming disadvantage and helping people make positive changes in their lives. Mm. And can I ask, did you, did you, what got you into that though? Did you, did you do a degree in something similar to that or did, did you just take a job in? in I did the um, graduate training scheme in health service management when I left university. Right, okay. And, and at the end of that scheme, you know, followed my interest into mm. resettlement management rather than hospital management see, at that okay. point. So, yeah, community healthcare basically. Because mm-hmm. at that point, those homes were run by the NHS. Right. We're going back quite yes, a while yeah, here. No, yeah, that's yeah, great. A little lesson in history. <laughs> this here, is people. the beginning of community yes. care. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Um, so um, then you know, I, at the point of becoming a parent, I became you know, very interested in parents' journeys and what helped families provide the quality of parent-child relationships that mm. were going to be good, good for children. So at that point, I moved um, sector, if you like, and from that point on, was involved in working in in the in the third sector in charities that were focused on parenting support, family support, early years. Um, so my I was both working directly with parents, um, running group programs, as well as developing group programs training practitioners to work with parents and also um writing uh, it was, um, uh, so the, it was in the in the days where we were really interested in the 
quality of the home environment in the early years. So um, I was involved in researching and writing a book called Early Home Learning Matters, which really switched me on to the importance of what happens in those, mm. you know, we, we, we now hear so much about it, the first thousand and one days. Mm. Um, but get going back 20 years, um, it, I think we were just really becoming aware of just quite how significant those early experiences are and how much the development of the brain is experience dependent mm -hmm. so yeah I mean just um lots about parenting and overcoming inequalities I think that's the thing about um early home learning early years parenting is that we know that it's not who parents are it's what they do. It doesn't really matter mm. um, what what your role is in life. Anybody with the right support um, can provide the experiences that their children need. So it's a very hopeful. It's a very hopeful starting point, but it does mean that there's a very important job to be done, which is supporting those parents um, to provide. That, those quality of experiences and relationships for their children. And so that's what you've been doing pretty much throughout your career then. Mm. Um, mm. And so that brings us up to when you joined Henry, what, what, I mean, it sounds obvious, but what attracted you to the role and um, what do you do now? What does your current role entail? So, yes, I, I joined Henry as, as part of um, succession planning for Candida, who sadly had decided it was time for her to retire. Um, what drew me to Henry was the similarity of approach. It was it was very much about um, um, seeing seeing the strengths um, in 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 families in people, and helping them to make positive changes using a very um, partnership solution focused approach, mm. a behaviour change approach. We're talking about and. And also thinking about what are the what are the conditions for change? How can we support practitioners to create those conditions for change in their work with families? I think the bit that was new for me, looking back um, when I joined Henry, was the the focus on on health and obesity because I I was. I was sort of steeped in the behaviour change, the training, the early years, parenting. I was, it was, um, you know, so it was a plus for me to really have a chance to apply that to, um, you know, a, a new arena, if you like, that was really looking at the impact on a child's physical well-being as well as emotional well-being. Yeah. And what you're describing, I mean, the whole purpose of Henry is to really change people's behaviour from, well, to be as, as 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 good as parents as it can be for the children to give them the best start in life, right? So, how you are trying to impart behaviour change? So, what what does your role now sort of 
How does that intersect with behaviour? I'm looking at a file now in your office that says behaviour change. So you must do I wonder what's in there. I do too now. <laughs> but uh, what, what, what does your current role entail in terms of behavioural science or behaviour change? Or is it, is it embedded throughout the, organi- the organisation or is it something that you're personally involved with? Sure. So <clears throat> I think it, it's, it's on different levels. And I w- so I think it's, it's recognising that what's good for preventing obesity is actually good for all children. So Henry has moved um, to a much broader focus since our early days. It, it's about thinking about helping parents provide a healthy start for their children and when we're thinking about that healthy start for children we're almost invariably talking about helping parents change their habits because we know that children model their own lifestyle habits their food preferences their attitudes to eating and activity on their family and so that you know what's happening at home the family lifestyle is going to be hugely influential in in getting those healthy habits um, embedded from the start because for all of us it's much much easier to develop healthy habits than try and break unhealthy ones later so and we know that there's there's an uh, you know this very strong association between obesity and disadvantage poverty so when we're thinking about supporting parents we're often supporting parents who themselves have you know are are struggling with intergenerational um, entrenched lifestyle habits Mm. that are you know very much intertwined with the communities that they've grown up in the families that they've grown up in and so we need to be able to make change a reality by not just providing information to those parents about, you know, this is what children mm. um, need to be eating, this is what, this is how much activity they should be getting, this is how much sleep they should be getting, this is how much screen time. You know, we've got lots of guidance, haven't we? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We know the guidance. So I think I see Henry's role as... That, that guidance is really important because you know that's expert informed it's evidence based mm. but just letting parents know what the guidance is isn't going to necessarily result in it happening as part of daily family life it will for some for some families but the vast majority it won't mm. so i see henry's role as providing the kind of support to those parents that will help them feel heard, understood. Um, Once they feel that sense of respect rather than judgment, um, they're much more likely to feel safe enough and and open to start reflecting Mm -hmm. on their own attitudes to to food, what's happening in their in their family routines, what they're doing well, um, as well as what they'd like to change. So that we're then engaging parents as they as the agents of change yeah. on behalf of their family, on behalf of their children. So I would say that's where the Henry's contribution to behaviour change is focused. 
but it's multi-layered. So that's where we're working with parents to help them change their own routines. Mm. But if we're thinking about the workforce and all of those practitioners that parents are coming into contact with yeah. and seeking support from in their child's early life, we're also talking about them helping helping parents in that in that partnership behaviour change way, which for them often entails behaviour change. Many of us working in public health were trained as experts to give advice. And so for those who don't know, you you'll provide training to professionals, right? Yeah. So as well as the family programmes that Henry delivers to, to parents, we're also delivering training for for practitioners typically two-day henry core training health visitors children's center workers come and through that training we're helping them think about their own practice we're helping them think about you know how do we you know we're all people let's learn from our own experiences you know how do we feel when we're urged to change something but perhaps we don't feel very confident to do it or yeah. we're not sure how or we're not even very sure that we want to yeah. and and then you know sort of unpacking that to think about well if that's how if that's how we feel you know what's you know what do families need from us and it's it, it's it's um you know, it's not uncommon for practitioners who come on our training to talk about how it's changed them as people. Mm. Um, that is, so I rem we did some training in Amsterdam um, where they're doing the, their, they have a mission to, to, um, to uh, reduce child obesity and they invited us over to deliver some Henry Pro uh, training to their um, child health workforce and I remember at the end of the two days somebody saying you know being on training courses and you know hitting tapping her back saying I, I usually leave with a few more tools in my in my kit bag but you know after this training I and you know tapping her chest I feel like I've changed in here it's changed me as a person mm -hmm. and I, I'm thinking about parents in a way that I haven't before so it is you know we're talking about a process of change for practitioners as well as parents because it's not, you know, we talk a lot about working in partnership and um, using motivational behaviour change strategies, and they make real sense. But it's not, it's not that easy always to just make the switch. You know, we have to unlearn. We have to, we, you know, we ha as well as knowing, and it's very similar. It sort of mirrors that, you know, what I was saying about parents that. They might know what their children should be eating or how much television or screen time they should be having each day, but doing it is, an, is another matter. Mm. And so we, you know, we talk about working in partnership, but actually doing that and you know being able to have those conversations, it, it, it's a skilled, sophisticated piece of work. So we're also talking about behaviour change for those for practitioners. And we're also looking at Henry as an organisation. And one of the things that... I feel really strongly about and I you know I know that my colleagues here do too is that we need to be walking the talk mm. walking the walk that working in partnership um, 
you know, relating in a way that's strengths-based and solution-focused doesn't start when we when we leave the building here. Yeah. It's something that that we're modelling yeah. in our relationships with one another, in our relationships with our partners who who we're working with, other providers, commissioners, mm-hmm. and so there's a very strong sense of this you know approach to working with parents and working with practitioners this behavior change approach that is embedded in our organizational values yeah that's great and i think it comes across quite strongly as well for anyone who comes into the office or well, that's reassuring uh, to hear Stuart. Yeah. and also anyone who you partner with actually on site because we we partner with you on a couple of sites and, and a couple of locations and we always feel that too so i think that mm. actually living out those values is coming across in actions and the way that, that your staff interact. So that's, yeah. that's good. Um, so to move us on a little bit, I, 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 I wonder what you think of um, how behaviour change is being used in the industry. So, so can you, do you think it's being used effectively? Behavioural science, behaviour change um, science, do you think it's being used effectively in our industry at the moment? That's a really interesting question, isn't it? I mean, I think it... You know, big picture, I would say patchy. Yeah. Um, I think there's been a really encouraging focus on learning mm. from the evidence, um, learning from those evidence-based behaviour change tools. Mm. Doing it in practice is, as with everything else, the challenge. It's mm. that gap between the knowledge and the practice and, and putting knowledge into practice. So at Henry, we've, we've learned a lot from others. So we've learned a lot from the family partnership model and the work that was started at the Centre for Parent and Child Support. My originally Hilton Davis and Crispin Day is, is now continuing that. I think the family partnership model, we, we, we know that that's evidence-based. It was a really well-tested um, approach we've been able to integrate insights from that approach um, with motivational interviewing, solution-focused support. Mm -hmm. I think, just going back to what you're asking me, to what extent, Mm -hmm. how are we doing as an industry? How are we doing nationally? I suppose my concern is that we sort of know that there's a temptation towards... A shortcut to getting there yeah so making every contact count absolutely you know that's exactly what we need to be doing we've mm-hmm. got all of these we you know we've got this national workforce out there in contact with families children yeah it's a golden opportunity to make a difference and yet as i was saying earlier we do need to really skill up the workforce to make every contact count in practice and so do you do not think it's being used as effectively as it could be making every contact count i suspect not always Mm -hmm. because not because people don't really have the um intention to do it but perhaps there hasn't been enough attention paid to the training that it takes, um, you know, there's a big difference between watching a PowerPoint mm. and really having the chance to 
have a go, reflect. So the Henry training is highly experiential. We don't we don't show PowerPoints. No. It's about learning through doing, through reflection, um, through. There's a lot of role playing. There's a it? lot of we t- we call it skills practice I, because I, it, our it, staff came out and, yeah. and said, "Oh, it's all role playing. I'm so uncomfortable with." That. I know. At the beginning, I know. But they were fine by the end. Exactly. It's but that's what actually. Um, helps people learn that's the point really it is it is is. because otherwise if people are uncomfortable having those conversations if they don't overcome that discomfort with one another they're unlikely to actually jump off the cliff and have the conversation it's much easier to ask a few closed questions and provide a leaflet with some information than it is to embark on a an exploratory conversation about weight, about lifestyle. So, yes, we do do a lot of skills practice. We won't call it role play in our training. We do it for a reason, because it is about people really, you know, feeling confident to have those conversations. So that's my anxiety, that making every contact count is, is, is so important. But we also know that, the vast majority of practitioners are uncomfortable having conversations mm, about yeah. sensitive issues. I mean, weight, parenting, lifestyle. And unless we help those practitioners build their confidence and overcome that discomfort, the chances are those conversations won't happen as effectively as mm. they could. If at all. If at all, yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, so what about um, good practice? So have you, have mm. you come across any really good practice, stuff that you just thought that is really good use of insight, behavioural science uh, across the industry? You've got a lot of experience across mm. lots of different areas. So mm. where, where's the best stuff you've seen? I've seen so many inspiring examples of the difference it can make when we do apply those insights, the power of it. So let me just give you a few examples. Okay. Um right. So this is going back a few years where when I was training um, parenting practitioners um, and I remember uh, a social worker who, she was an educational social worker and her role was to arrange meetings with parents whose children's absence from school yeah. was creating concern. So it's a very negative um you know sort of start to a meeting it's very problem focused and we'd been looking at the you know the power of moving from a a deficit focus to a strengths focus in the training and she came and and was talking about a meeting that she'd had with a family Mm. um you know the next the next week and she said that she'd been really inspired by the by this conversation about moving from deficit to strength and had started the meeting with this family by saying, I want to really thank you for your openness and courage in coming here today to talk to me about your child. It really tells me how much you care. Mm. And she said the whole meeting went completely differently because of that. Um, Because obviously, you know, this parent had arrived you know thinking probably not unreasonably that she was about to be yeah. uh, quite defensive yeah, yeah yeah that you know she was she was she was going to be found wanting so mm. you know just the power of shifting 
from problem to strengths. Mm. So inspiring examples. I mean, lots and lots of examples that practitioners share with us after they've been on the Henry training, um, which, again, they are just blown away by, but show how much it can make a, a, a difference. So I'm reminded of a a health practitioner who'd, who'd been on the training and she got in touch with us afterwards to say that she'd, she'd um, you know, shortly after the training, she'd seen a, a mother with, with a two-year-old who was on the 99th mm. centile for weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mother knew that she herself was overweight and that she'd always had issues with food herself. And what this practitioner said to us was that in the past, before the Henry training, she just didn't feel like she had the tools or the confidence to discuss weight. So... She said, I would have just mumbled something about portion sizes and sent them on their way. (laughs) But on that occasion, she was able to open a conversation, which very rapidly led to the mother realising that how she had been parenting, parented herself, was playing out in the family and that the impact that that was having on the child. And I think the really crucial bit here is that the practitioner said to us, I didn't need to give any advice because she worked it out for herself. She knew exactly what she needed to do mm. and she left the meeting with the determination to do it. And I think that's what we're talking about when we're talking about best practice around behaviour change and um, behaviour uh, insights from behaviour science is it is about helping people to do it themselves because we all know that the least effective way of supporting change is telling people what to do. And so when we can get ourselves out of the picture and use our expertise to ask those exploratory questions that provide the opportunity for Mm. parents, anybody, people to reflect and discover the answers themselves, you know, then that's when we actually see change. Great. Amazing story. Um, and probably one you come across quite a lot, I'd imagine, actually. It, uh, it is, and I think that's the... I, I, I think going back to what we were talking about earlier about making every contact count, that's an example of how we can really make every contact count. It doesn't take a long time, mm. but it is about having the the skills, the insight, the confidence to have that confidence conversation that is going to make a difference do you think then it's about um really moving from providing training to people because a national program has been developed mech is a national program a national program has been developed and we we should deliver training to people and they should go off and you know do do mech with people in the public or with the public um the difference between giving training for training's sake because there's a national program that, that exists versus genuinely inspiring people to to want to have conversations to change people. Because I, I feel like sometimes the people that are getting the mech training aren't really the right people. They're, they're, not, they're not in a job that they're particularly passionate about sometimes or they're, they're not in a place personally where they sort of want to bring all of that extra sort of effort and... and and potential for engagement that could, in theory, go wrong mm. to work. Mm. Mm. I think you're touching on a really important issue there, which is that we need to see practitioners in as people in a context, and they might need 
the same kind of strength-based support um, that is really empowering them to have that you know sense of autonomy that sense of influence in their own work lives I remember years ago actually it's just it's just um, sparked a memory that a, a, a training day that Hilton Davis was running about the family partnership model and somebody stuck their hand up in the audience and saying, well, if it's so effective, why don't we just make everybody do it? <laughs> yeah, that, that's not my fault. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, I mean, the, the very point is that this isn't about making people do anything. Mm. Just like we can't make people eat um, based on the Eat Well Guide, yeah. we can't make practitioners work in partnership there's a piece of work to be done with practitioners there that is about building their confidence, building their motivation, building their desire, and seeing them as people with a history, mm. and and also a, as you're as you're saying, Stuart, you know, work context. And Henry certainly found over the last eight nine years, with all the public sector changes. Um, in the health service and in children's centres, that practitioners who come on our training are often stressed about whether they're about to go through the third restructure and, yeah, you know, yeah, whether they're yeah. job secure. So we do need to be aware of the pressures that practitioners are under and think about what, what, are they, what, what do they need in order to make it a reality? That we can't just say, tick, they've done mech training. Mm. Um, I so think what I would what I just also want to highlight, I suppose, is that it's a really important concept, isn't it, of yeah. how we can... I mean, you know the, 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 you know, the name of it, how can we all make every contact count? So I think, you know... The intention, the vision, the aim is great. I think what we're recognising is that if if MEC itself is about providing information, you rather than using the more behaviour change, relationship-focused training, mm. it, it probably won't be as effective as it could be. So it, it then risks being a lost opportunity. Yes, no, I, I agreed. Um, so I'll, I'll move this on to um, about how, how the work that you've been doing is translated into the real world. Unlike some of the other people that we've had on the show, the, the work that you're doing directly impacts the real world in an in a obvious and overt way, whereas some of the other people are sort of from an academic background or from public health, they sort of have to go through lots of channels first. So why, why don't you talk a little bit about how you affect people's behaviour in the real world, you know, families, mm. children. Yeah, so let me start with, with families. Then I'd like to say a little bit more again about practitioners and teams. So we're talking about family life and we we often need to start with parents' emotional well-being if we're thinking about change in the family because none of us do our best when we're, we're stressed out and exhausted. So... The starting point for change is often thinking about parents' own needs and helping them attend to those needs. We use the yeah. five ways to well-being to help parents think about how can they recharge their batteries and make sure that 
that they have practical strategies that will work for them to reduce stress. And, and how do you get them to work on that? Because our, we, we experience that quite a lot through our family sort of weight management programmes, um, particularly in you know, more single-parent families and, and, and in, in areas of, of deprivation. Um, how do you get people to think it's okay to focus on themselves it's like that being on the plane if it's how do you get them to put their own oxygen mask on first because if they go down actually everyone's going yeah. down yeah so i think it is about helping them you know it's that sort of motivational insight around you know what helps people change it's the gap between present reality and desired future so really helping them think about the impact of their own stress um, on themselves and their family I know I'm when I'm stressed I'm not as pleasant to be around as I am when I'm feeling feeling pretty resilient and resourceful and I think you know most people probably know that for themselves as well so and parents want to do their best for their families so I think and for their children so I think it you know it is that gap and and helping people realize that when they do take time out for themselves that me time mm. that it isn't just good for them it is good for their children too it is one of the things that parents very often talk about when we're um, gathering data at the end of the program about the changes they've made they often do talk about the me time yeah and yeah. realizing that it matters and noticing um, the difference it makes the other bit thinking about parents is that we, you know, part of what they gain through coming on a programme like Henry is building their knowledge around healthy eating, activity, and so on. But again, there's a big difference between knowing that their children shouldn't be grazing on crisps or chocolate or sweets all day and actually being able to hold the boundaries around yes, yeah. around those, those snacks or, or holding boundaries around bedtime screen time so uh, again a, a big part of of the henry program which i think is one of its strengths it's really thinking about what do parents need to do this in practice and so we we're looking at parenting skills and some of those strategies for daily family life that are about building cooperation finding ways of um you know praising encouraging young children through family reward systems finding ways that parents can stay appropriately in charge as adults yeah. by giving guided choices between healthy alternatives because we we know that if parents if parents just end up in this huge shouting match or you know battle of wills every time that they try to get their children to the table to eat a meal or um, or to turn off the television or whatever it is, get them out for a you know bit of active play in the park. That if it does end up just in a in a battle of wills, they'll s more likely just to revert to oh please yourself you know yeah. you know have what you want. So I think we do really um, put rightly a lot of focus on helping parents gain not just the knowledge but also the skills. So sort of pragmatically mm. giving 
helping them turn that knowledge into mm. on mm. the ground yeah practical absolutely you know so you know how can we as parents um you know help our children eat healthy snacks we so you know what are you going to say you know let's get down to brass tacks here you know when you're sitting down to a meal with your child what are you going to say Mm. um and we know that saying you know eat your broccoli you're not getting down until you (laughs) until you finished is more likely to result in a lifelong dislike of of broccoli rather than a uh, an enjoyable meal time we also know that you know what would you like for to eat this evening um is a a slippery slope to this sort of you know cook to order family life where everybody's having different meals and it's incredibly common it's incredibly common and it's almost invariably then the you know pop it in the microwave ready meals if you've got to provide all of these different choices so we're looking at providing healthy food but providing a choice within that what we call guided choices because like the rest of us children would much rather have some control and autonomy rather than just being told what to eat and and i think that one of the one of the questions that we one of the things we work on all the time is incorporating failure into the process to build resilience um which is something that you must come across a lot because you said you know let's practice let's go down to brass tacks and practice what you're actually going to say if that works once and they feel great about it that's good but if they then for whatever reason and it's, this will happen mm. almost certainly mm. at some point it that doesn't work having the resilience to cope with and process that that failure and i've got inverted commas up here yeah. that failure experience and turning that into more information that they can use in the future so that didn't work but why um and what would I do differently next time? Yeah. That's some of the stuff that we focus on quite a lot, and I presume that's some of the stuff that you'll bring into that to build yes. that resilience. So when we're talking about the, you know, the group program, we're looking at obviously the content, but we're looking at the delivery style being one that supports what you're describing, which is the conditions for change. And so we're looking at what what do people need to change? They need that emotional readiness, yeah. um, that emotional resilience energy which is a lot about you know feeling supported um feeling valued feeling understood Uh, parents talk a lot about the support they get from one another Mm. and the relief of knowing that it's not just them that this is you know we're normalizing it and that's a lot about building resilience you see you see people um you know, just relax when they hear somebody else describe, you know, something going completely pear-shaped at home. And, you know, so, oh, it's not just me. Other parents struggle yeah. with this too. We had that, and especially um, I, in some of the parenting sessions we do for the older uh, children, well, the parents of the children, um, we had a, a particularly interesting um, version of that where not only was there the normalisation, oh, other people experience the same thing as us, there was two parents from the same school, one of which was the sort of super mum, bakes every morning before the kids go to school, does all the clubs, works, you know, mm. kids are immaculate all the time. And when when one of them heard that the other one was struggling with something that she was struggling with, 
and then she had to leave the other one because she had to take her kids off somewhere else because she's super mum and she was doing that. The, the mum actually verbalised that and said, I am so pleased that she's struggling too. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. And it sounded terrible, but yeah. she, and she didn't mean it that way. But it was just that relief that even super mum is experiencing the same problems yeah. that I am. Yes. Um, and and she, she genuinely looked like she relaxed in her chair mm. as, it, as it happened. Absolutely, and I think parents carry so much sort of guilt, don't yeah, they, and yeah, pressure. Totally. Uh, we, you know, all of the all of that perfect parent um, and perfect family life, and every, yeah. you know. I know that family meal times are sort of, you know, flagged as this sort of really important thing, and you know, children and parents sitting happily around the table, mm. sharing and enjoying a healthy meal yeah. and chatting about their days. I have to, I have to say, <laughs> as a parent, you know, family lives are often a stressful point in the day. Everybody's tired and hungry, and yeah. Um, so yeah, it's about parenting in the real world. It's about building parents' confidence. And a lot of that is about that sense of self-acceptance. Mm-hmm. It's not just me. Yeah. Learning from one another. I think we we build that reflection that you're talking about around the sort of, you know, the failure. What can we learn mm-hmm. into the way that the programme is delivered? So at the end of each session, parents have decided on their own things that they're going to try out that week at home and at the beginning of the next week it's well how did you get on Mm. um and seeing the learning in that so if it if it didn't go to plan what 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 did you learn from it what was it and Mm. what do you think would have would have worked so it's about seeing it as a learning process rather than oh no disaster not doing that again yeah yeah okay I, i mean that's, I knew you'd have a lot for <laughs> that, that question, but I think it's great to hear uh, about the pragmatic value and, and the dealing with the failure, building the resilience. Yeah. So I think just to, just to wrap that bit up, Stuart, I think that one of the things that we know from, I mean, we've had sort of thousands, you know, sort of 15,000, 20,000 parents now yeah. um, join the Henry programme. And the thing, when they're talking about changes, they do talk about we eat more healthily now, we eat together, um, we're eating more fruit and vegetables, um, we get out and, and, and go to the park, we go swimming. So that we're seeing those really encouraging changes. But what they also say, which I think is a big part of the, the making a difference, is they say we're happier yeah. as a family. Yeah. Um, we enjoy spending time together more now. Um, there's more peace in our house now. And the value of those things, intangible though it might seem to them or to, for example, commissioners who commission yeah. these services, actually is the, the most valuable thing. Because exactly. actually everything else flows out of that anyway. Exactly. But, but that spend, not spending time arguing in your home is a real bonus in terms of time stress relationship the ability to do better stuff together um and so and keep going with it yeah no because nobody is going to carry on doing something if it's just a real slog but if it has actually made family life easier and more enjoyable Mm. it's a virtuous circle yes no i I totally agree um so i'm gonna move on to um the You've you've mentioned a few. Well, actually, let me ask you a question. So, so 
Is there anything you've seen uh, at, that you are curious about in terms of behavior change science, the behavior, you know, there's a, there's a big movement around behavioral science. So is there anything you've seen that you're particularly curious or excited about? I think there's lots of learning going on at the moment, and that's the exciting thing mm -hmm. about working in public health and working as part of a research community, um, a behaviour science community. So at Henry, I, you know, I really value our academic partnerships. You know, we work with with Neil Howlett at the University of Hertfordshire. We work with academics um, at the University of Leeds, mm -hmm. and there's a we we learn a lot from that experience of involving academics in both evaluating Henry, but also feeding in that knowledge um, from, from the wider research. I suppose one of the things that intrigues me at the moment, I couldn't, it's too early to say excited, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but it's certainly something I'm curious about, is about how we can scale up what we know works. Because uh, Henry, we've, we've, We've now got a really substantial evidence base that is hugely encouraging about what what helps people make positive changes, what helps people sustain those changes, not just in terms of their children, their family lifestyle, but also in terms of their wider relationships with their partners, families, work colleagues, yeah. um, their own you know sense of um, confidence in their own lives, going back to work, going back to education. So we and we we have looked at the mechanisms for change through both qualitative and quantitative research. We we we've got a really good insight now at Henry and you know um, you know sort of the there's the wider academic community that has that too. I think you know what where i'm just really keen to work with others to 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 um to test out is is this this element of scaling up mm. it's very tempting to think oh can we do this digitally because it seems like a no brainer you know it's it's something then that everybody could access the thing that we know is at the heart of what works is a relate a human to human relationship, the quality of that face to face support because most behaviour change strategies start in a relationship um, in which people feel heard, valued, um, listened to, supported. Yeah. I would love to be part of a really good research study that worked with, you know, some real digital whizzes and, you know, perhaps asked those digital whizzes to go on something like a Henry training mm -hmm. and talk to, to parents and practitioners. I mean, let's start with practitioner training um, and say, you know, how could you, you know, you, you sort of, you've, um, you know, you've experienced the quality um, of experience that helps people change you know what what are your thoughts on yeah. you know and you know capturing that in a digital intervention developing it and then doing a really um a really thorough evaluation of that and comparing it doing a, a compare and contrast with face-to-face -face, -face, henry yeah. because 
we do need, we want to scale up. We, we want, we want, I mean, we've had thousands, tens of thousands of practitioners do Henry training. Mm. We've had tens of thousands of parents do the Henry program, but there's many more that we want to reach. Scale is difficult. So, it yes, difficult, we, we, want, we want to have a bigger reach, but there's no point in putting any money into digital interventions or digital training if they don't replicate the impact. No, that's true. It's, it's not a good use of money. Well, there you go. There's an open call. If you're a digital whiz and you're interested in that type of research, then you can get in touch with Kim, Henry. Uh, come and do a, 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 the Henry training and then evaluate it after. I'm sure there's lots of people who would be interested mm. in doing the evaluation work. Mm. Um, whether we can get the funding to do the evaluation is another matter altogether. But I, Exactly. And I think that is what's important because otherwise I think it becomes another of our you know the, the the shortcuts that nationally we're we're, we're a bit prone to mm-hmm. um this idea that if you give people information it will lead to change digital is great for giving information um the bit that we don't know is can it lead to change if it can't we would be better looking at more um we would be better looking at alternatives to scaling up so for for example one of the things that I would be really keen to do is is look at where are the opportunities to target support to to families um, relatively we could we could increase our reach um, it would cost but it wouldn't cost something that's unaffordable yeah, I think I think um, Public Health England are having an interesting time of that at the moment, having been developing, uh, I think they're up to Alpha, um, with the Our Family Health Project. So they're developing a, a digital product service for uh, four to seven-year-olds and their families. And it's been interesting watching the journey they've gone on. Um, and I'm sure if you're listening and... And you want to know more about that, you could contact the diabetes team at Public Health England. And uh, if you speak to Jamie Blackshaw or Helena Whaling, um, they'll tell you a little bit more about that project. But it's been interesting watching them go through that journey and mm-hmm. seeing some of the, the surprises that they've, they've encountered along the way. And obviously, they're not even at BT yet, so they haven't even got to the stage where they have, have run any real data through a, a service yet but it'll be interesting to keep keep mm. uh, an eye on what they're mm. what they're doing yeah uh, um and just lastly then what is um where can people go to find out more about henry and uh, the work that you're doing well we have a website great um www.henry.org.uk so there's a lot about us on there um for there's information there for parents as well as for um, practitioners commissioners partners you can email us at info at henry.org.uk. You can get hold of us on Twitter. Our handle is at Henry Healthy. Great stuff. Okay, Kim, thanks so much for all your time today. It's great to hear about everything that you've been doing at Henry. Having seen it firsthand as well, I just wanted to say we think you're a great organisation and we love working with you. Um, but also, I think there's some really interesting and different experiences that you're bringing into this this show because we're obviously going across academia and in public health and in industry and you're sort of across all of those to a certain extent and it's interesting to hear how that's actually manifesting in the real world for, for, for the people that you're working with. And I think people 
who are listening will have a real affinity for the the level of passion that you describe the way it lands with the practitioners that you train but also the families that you're actually working with I think that'll come across really really well so Mm. thanks so much for your time thank you it's been a pleasure talking to you just wanted to say thanks again there to Kim Roberts from Henry. I'm sure as you listen to Kim, you can hear how passionate she is about making a robust evidence base work in the context of real family life, which I'm sure you'll agree is something that's not an easy thing to do. And they really do an amazing job of that. Uh, check out their website and get in touch with them at henry.org.uk. Thanks again for listening. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, don't forget to head to bsphn.org.uk to find out more about the Behavioural Science and Public Health Network generally. And don't forget there are a few spaces left for the upcoming annual conference on February the 12th. So get yourself over there and snag yourself a ticket. If you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Twitter at Stu underscore King underscore HH. You can search for me on LinkedIn and you can follow my blog on www.busybodies.com and if you go to the professionals tab followed by Stu's blog then you'll be able to find that there if you enjoy the show please rate it on whatever medium that you listen to it on and importantly tell your colleagues and friends about it It really helps to spread the word that there's some interesting and really great practice out there in academia in industry and in public health it's being delivered by some really interesting people Next month, um, we've got a, a, a really interesting guest. It's Dr. Tim Chadbourne, who's the Head of Behavioural Insights at Public Health England. So this is something to look forward to because it's, it's where all of the behavioural science meets national policy. So uh, tune in next month and uh, have a listen. Listen.